the end. The end. Today we begin an awesome sermon series titled The End. Is this the end? That is a question on many people's lips today. You go into society, you walk around the street, you talk and have conversations, and almost every conversation you have, there's always talk about, is this the end? From the bushfires in Victoria to COVID, and bushfires in America, time after time, these calamities, these various events are happening. And yes, we know as Christians... There's going to be these events. But if you're like me, we're beginning to see that they're happening more and more and more often. You seem to sit down and watch the TV or turn on the radio and there's another event. And you go, how many more can there be? When is this going to end? Is this really the end time? Is this really... That time when this world is going to pass away. Over the next three weeks, Pastor Lockie, Pastor Mike and myself, we're going to share with you the journey of the end. We're going to unpack what Jesus talks about when he talks about the end time. And I believe you're going to be challenged. I believe you'll be inspired. And we pray that you'll come to know Jesus Christ and have a hope that will see you through over these next few weeks as we journey into the future. Growing up, I grew up in a place called Mildura, a beautiful place. And uh, right there on the Murray River, sun as we get in Gold Coast, it's always sunny there. I just think I get more sun there than I do on the Gold Coast apparently. But that's your typical day in Mildura. This is where the lock is. And so on a Sabbath afternoon, I would quite often be walking down along the, the river here and just by the river, and there's an island just in the middle of the, the river there as well. that would go and spend time watching birds, playing with animals, you know, goannas and koalas and you name it. I remember one time as a young boy, as a young kid, I had a sleep in the afternoon. Now, as I was asleep, I woke up and I woke up to something like this. And this is something that is unique in the outback of Australia, especially in Mildura. It's a dust storm. We talk about thunderstorms, we have a, the storm season up here. But when you get a thunderstorm in Mildura, yep, that's fine. But when you get a dust storm, it's something totally different. I remember waking up, looking outside, and this was something similar to my view. Dust. And everything is red. And you know what I asked? Is this the end? Is this the end? Imagine waking up and seeing just red and it's dust and it's eerie and people are running for cover because the dust is just getting in your eyes, in your mouth. Afterwards, after the dust has been through, you have to clean up the house because there's dust all through the house. But at that moment, at that time, 
ask the same question that is on everyone's lips today in our society, in our world. Is this the end? In the community at the moment, researchers are suggesting that there's many people looking for answers. Reading of the Bible amongst Christians and non-Christians has increased by over 30%. And doing spiritual practices has also increased. But what does Jesus say about the end? How does he say the end will play out? And what significant words does he share with us? What advice and counsel does he give to you and I today? Come with me to Matthew. Matthew 24. Matthew 24. And we'll start in verse 1. Matthew is the very first book in the New Testament. In the Bible, Matthew 24. In verse 1, Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him and called his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things? he asked. Truly. I tell you, not one stone will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him and they were privately meeting with him. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out. That no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. Now, this is the beginning of the end. This is the first week of exploring and unpacking this passage. And let's just get a picture of what's happening here. Here we have Jesus that's just left the temple. And he's walked out from the temple and he's journeying towards the Mount of Olives. Now in your Bibles, if you turn back to Matthew 23, you'll see, and it's the end part of Matthew 23, you'll see a picture of Jesus mourning and a deep-seated mourn for Jerusalem. He's not just crying in that passage before we get to Matthew 24. He's actually mourning over Jerusalem because Jerusalem was his chosen people. Jerusalem were his loved ones. And here we find him before this passage. He's mourning over them and he's saying, if only you obeyed my commandments. If only you'd listened to me. Oh, Jerusalem. He says, I want to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks. And so he's gone through this time of deep-seated mourning, of, of anguish for his people, for his loved ones. He's seeing their sin and it makes him cry. He's seeing the way of life and it makes him cry. And then we find him walking towards the Mount of Olives and the disciples say, Hey, hey, 
hang on, Jesus, tell us, tell us, what's going to happen in the end? How do we know this is going to be the end? Come on, give us the clues. Give us the insight. Important to realize that Jesus has just left the temple. Keep that in your mind. So I'm come back and unpack it a bit further as we journey this morning together. And so Jesus immediately responds back and he talks about the temple. Not one stone will be left unturned in that temple. Now let's just get a picture of what this temple was in this passage. The temple in Jerusalem and the temple in the Bible is meant, and I'll say is meant, but it is meant and it is the place where God dwelt and was among men or with men. Right from the very discussion of the temple in the Old Testament, when Jesus set up the temple in the sanctuary, it was all about God being with man. But in this passage, it's important to recognize what it had become. You see, here's Jesus sitting on the Mount of Olives, and on this Mount of Olives, he can see the whole of Jerusalem. And he can also see Calvary out in the distance. And so he can see the future playing out before him. But the main focus, right bang smack in the middle, is the temple. You see, this was a sign of wealth, and it was a sign of an idolatrous lifestyle. It had been changed from the temple that David had been given the, the task of building in Solomon. And, and all through the journey, various kings and various leaders had added to the temple. And in actual fact, these stones that Jesus is saying will be left, will be uprooted, they say that they measured up to 20 metres by 2 metres. They were massive boulders. And they were boulders of marble and boulders of gold. They were expensive. They were pride. They were all about wealth. And it was all about what I can assume and what I can consume and what I have. It was a significant status statement that this main big temple in the middle of Jerusalem was all about the wealth and the idolatrous behaviour of the people in Jerusalem. And you know what? It was also the centre of their religiosity. This is where they went to. This is where they experienced the walk with Jesus, so they thought. Ellen White writes about this temple and she says, it was perfection of beauty. It was so amazing, it was a perfection of beauty. And here we are. Jesus has just left 
the temple. You see, the glory in the temple was all about Jesus. And Jesus being with men, he was the glory in the temple. It was God with us. And in actual fact, the disciples and all the people of the day, the Jews of the day, they missed the most significant part of this passage because here was Jesus in the temple with them, teaching them. And this was the last time he has to walk out of the temple. And significant words he says is, not one stone will be left unturned. Here we also find that Jesus is speaking to the disciples privately, but he speaks to them in the present while prophesying the end. He speaks to them what they know and what they can understand while also prophesying the end. Because they know and they have heard and they have read the prophecy of Daniel, where Daniel says he'll put an end to sacrifice and offering. And at the temple, he'll set up an abomination that causes desolation. And the end that is decreed is poured out on him. The abomination is all about idolatrous. And the desolation is what? It's what's going to happen here. He's predicting that this is going to happen, that not one stone will be left unturned. And so he says, hey, you know this passage. Well, a sign at the end of times is when this is going to happen. And he knew it was going to happen very shortly because if we look in history books, in 70 AD, not long after, Titus destroys Jerusalem and those stones, those boulders are left upended. And if you read history books, if you read the Bible, it was one almighty desolation. Jesus also says a bit further in Matthew 24, So when you are standing on the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. Now it's important to understand this. The disciples were trying to comprehend what Jesus was trying to say in these words and in this moment. But Jesus actually withheld a lot of the detail from the disciples at this time for fear that they would just be left blown away, absolutely devastated. Because what's going to happen, what Jesus is talking about, is that they're about to lose Jesus Christ. He was about to die on the cross. And they're about to lose the temple. That one thing was close to heart, the one thing they had worked so hard for, and that one thing that is their identity. They're about to lose everything. But Jesus says, just let me give you enough so you can understand this. And he left it to them to work out and understand the passage. I just want to say that to you as well. 
As you read the Bible, read it for yourself. Work it out for yourself. Study it for yourself. Get in and dig into it for yourself. Pray the Holy Spirit will guide you as you study the Bible. This was Jesus' method of teaching at this time with the disciples, and it still is today, to study and understand the Bible for yourself. You see, this was a massive paradigm shift, and the disciples still didn't fully understand it. Because if they did, they would have been overwhelmed. Let me ask you this question this morning. When the stones in the walls of your world come crashing down, how do you react? What do I mean by that? What do I mean by that? Today, we put our hope in and we build our life upon a lot of different things. Many people put their life around social media. And you name it, there's Instagram, there's Facebook, there's Vimeo, there's Flickr, there's Tumblr, Twitter, and more. And for many people, they're spending hours upon hours of their life and they invest their life into that and they're building their life upon social media. You have influences. You have money that's been made, millions been made. People are building their life upon likes. How many likes can I get on Facebook? And if I get enough likes, then I'll be okay. I'll be okay because I've got likes and this person likes me and this person likes me and this person likes me and this person likes me. Many people are building their life upon iPhones. That thing that's in your pocket pretty much is a whole life and sums up your whole life these days. I remember as a kid just remembering getting out the, the index to find someone's number. The mum used to have and you have to clunk it and do this certain thing to it. I remember to use the phone, you had to have a cord plugged into the wall and you had to go and dial it. And do about eight numbers. I remember to, there wasn't a thing called internet back then. What was internet? I remember going to college and I realised that there's actually a thing called the internet and we had a black and white or green screen and you go on this green screen and you could start talk to people on the internet and write emails. How times have changed to the point where this is now something that people are building their life upon. Some people live for money. If I can only make some more money, if I can get that deal, and they go after money and their life revolves around money and wealth. Others build their life upon their car. And you see them out there and they've got their car and they're polishing this and they're spitting on this bit and oh, there's a bit of a scratch there. I need to go and get a new bumper bar for that. And others, the house. Or houses. 
and they give their life and they build their life and the reputation, their social status and everything else around the house. Others on beauty. They'll spend hours upon hours just trying to make sure they look beautiful. I'll spend hours and I still look like this. (laughs) Others on health. If I can just have enough money and pay for my health, and they think they can pay their way to be healthy, and they think the health is going to make them happy. And others, just to get that contract or deal, they'll step on anyone. It doesn't matter who they step on. But it's all about that contract, all about their work. Because my work is my identity. And if my identity comes crashing down, what next? When the stones in the walls of your world come crashing down, how do you react? You see, in all reality, we play with life like a big Jenga game. And we pull this brick out and we're like, sweet. That's okay. The ball didn't fall down. I'm okay. And we'll keep on pulling things out and the things will keep on crashing down and sometimes there might be a financial crisis. It's okay. I'll survive that. And then another calamity happens. It might be our health and our health comes crashing down. And then, and then, our iPhone drops in the toilet. There goes my life. But no, it's still okay. My life is still standing. But then COVID hits. And you know that holiday? That holiday we'd worked so hard for, this $20,000 worth of holiday around the world trip. Oh my goodness. COVID hits and that's gone. And that car, well... I can't afford to pay for that anymore because I lost my job. That's gone. But I'm still okay. I think. And it's not until the boulders start coming crashing down that we realise that there's more to life than just wealth, money, and there must be something more. And we ask the question, is this the end? Is this the end? Because the world has gone crazy and it keeps crashing down and burning down and our life just doesn't seem to be what it was anymore. When the walls come crashing down in your life, when those stones begin to be pulled out of your life, how do you react? How do you respond? Well, this is where we get some great counsel from Jesus. First of all, he says, in these end times, in order for you to survive these end times and thrive in these end times, build your life on the rock. Build your life on the rock. In Matthew 7, we know the story so well. The wise man comes along and he builds his house upon the rock. And it's stable, it's firm, and it's solid. The rains come down, COVID hits, they lose their job, 
you name it. But that house on that rock still stands. His life on that rock still stands. But then the foolish builder comes and builds his house upon the sand. And as we know, when the rains come down, if you haven't read this before, read in Matthew 7, it's a great story. As a kid, I grew up singing a song to it, so I know it by heart. The rains come down, the floods come up, and the house on the sand goes splat. It's like that wall. Jesus encourages us. He encourages us to build our life on the solid rock. And that rock is Jesus. Today, how can you build your life on that rock? In these end times, how can you build your life on that rock? That's reading the Bible. That's praying. That's spending time together with friends. That's spending time just in contemplation of the word of Jesus. And that thoughtful time, just spending time purposely building your life upon the rock. The second point Jesus challenges us with as we read this passage is he says, don't look around or outward. Look inward and realize your worth. How do I know that? How do I read that from here? Just remember where we talked about the temple. What's that all about? Wealth, status, outward appearance. Looking out on what is around us. Whereas Jesus says, look inward and realize your worth. And this is a very important passage for you to understand if we go to Corinthians. You see, let's understand this for what it's worth and for what value it really is. Because in Corinthians, Paul says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's what? Are God's temple. And that God's spirit dwells in your midst. We can build our lives all we want with this. We can build great temples, but Jesus leaving the temple set about a new paradigm, set about a new day where Jesus is now bringing in the new paradigm for what the temple really means. That you are the temple. You singular, but also you plural. You are the temple. You are the community of Jesus Christ. And together, God is within us. Together, God is working within us. His Spirit is moving in our midst. His Spirit is working in and through us every day. You are the temple. And do you realise that if you are His temple, how much worth you are, how valuable you are? That God set up a temple for a place for Him to dwell with man. And today he's still setting up a temple for a place for him to dwell with you. He loves you so much that he wants you to realize your worth. And it doesn't matter what comes crashing down, it might be friendships, it might be your car, it might be your house. You're worth more than that. That's not the end. 
In actual fact, you're worth more than that, and I know you are, because Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He knows the end from the beginning and the end from the end. He knows all about everything's going to happen. And yet he looks to you today when he's back here talking to his disciples, and he's not only talking to them in this part, but he's prophesying to them an apocalyptic prophecy and saying in the end times to today, to the last people, he's looking at you and I today and he's looking at what just happened here. He's saying, you're getting the idolatrous world, you're getting your idolatrous mentality, the community is just going out of control and you're wanting, wanting and you're getting, getting and you've missed the boat when you've forgotten about me and forgotten about my commandments. When I say commandments, remember what they are? First four is about loving God. The next four is about loving each other. And we look around us today, hey, they're getting chucked out wherever they can. And here Jesus is calling us back in this apocalyptic prophecy saying, come back and realize your worth, realize who you are. And amidst the chaos, the other advice I see from this passage for us today is sometimes we just need to take a seat and have a look at the bigger picture. Stop rushing and start being. Where do we find Jesus in this passage? Jesus is up on the Mount of Olives. He's up looking across the whole of Jerusalem. He's taking a step back and he's sitting back and he's taking the bigger picture in with his disciples. Often in our rush to get more and to want more, we tend to continue to burn ourselves out. And we continue to lose sight of the bigger picture of the end and what it means for us in these times. If you're feeling rushed, if you've lost sight of what Jesus means when he talks about the end times, I want to encourage you just to come back and to take a seat and to look at the bigger picture and see what that really means. Because sometimes there are a few puzzle pieces that are missing. If you just put this puzzle piece in there and in there, you get a greater understanding of your life and your time in the bigger picture. I love some of these songs we sang this morning. I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. For me, sometimes I'll take this sit back and I'll just have some of those songs go through my head, those thoughts, those words, and they just tend to me. I'm going to put on Apple Music and I might listen to one or two songs as well. I love listening to He Has Done Great Things or Still. And in some regards, it's like that moment where Jesus talks about in Matthew 23, just coming back and just allowing him to take care of you like the hen takes care of the chicks. You know, just, just feeling his loving arms around you, just feeling those wings of security. I grew up breeding chickens. I used to have three or 400 chickens about this time of year. And it was something amazing as a mother hen just takes care of her little baby chickens. And that's the sort of feeling that Jesus is encouraging us today, I believe. He's say, hey, 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 take a step back 
and have a look at the bigger picture. And finally, as we approach these end times, Jesus encourages us to look to Jesus and not around. To look to Jesus and not around. See, in our life, as I've shared, we can go after all these things. But you know what? They're just going to come crashing down. At the end of the day, this stuff, it's just stuff. It's just going to perish. It's going to burn. It's not going to be here any longer. I'll make some room for you, mate. How's this? Here's a walkway. But as we build our life on Jesus, everything changes. And a new perspective becomes reality. You see, when we look to Jesus, the things of earth, the various moments and events that are going to happen, will become something beautiful. And it changes our whole perspective. See, people are more important than things. And as Jesus was stretched out on the cross, as the nails went into his hand, it was all about his love for you today. From Matthew 24, he was looking to you today. From Matthew 24, he was looking to you today. And from the cross, he was looking to us today. And he was saying, there is more. This is not the end. And as we get our life right, we begin to build our life on the rock. As we build our life on Jesus, we can withstand these end times. We can withstand what may come our way because we have this hope that is Jesus Christ. His outstretched arms, the cross bridges the gap. This cross changes everything. His love changes everything. And I don't know about you, but to me, the name of Jesus, what a beautiful name that is. What a powerful name that is. What a wonderful name that is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. You can give me bricks. You can give me stones. You can give me houses. You can give me cars. You can give me anything that comes my way. Is this the end? No, because I have Jesus Christ. And while this world will pass away, 
the power of Jesus Christ goes before me. I live as he's risen life in this world today. Empowered by the Holy Spirit to be his hands and feet to make a difference. And I live as his temple filled by the Spirit, obeying the Spirit and his commands and living in step with him because I know Jesus. I don't have a fear for the end. Because when I don't have a fear for the end and when I know Jesus, Jesus changes the way we react to the world crashing down around us. When you know Jesus, Jesus changes the way you react to the world crashing down around it. Because your hope is secure. Your future is secure. Because this is your life in step with Him. May God bless.